passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good morning. It is Friday, December 4th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. What a weird year. 2020 just keeps messing everything up. Of course, earlier this week on the College Football Daily, we previewed the Liberty versus Coastal Carolina game through the lens of the great coaching matchup we are going to have. Hugh Freeze versus Jamie Chadwell, and then COVID issues hit Liberty. Liberty can't play that game. So what does Coastal Carolina do? They go out and bring in BYU, who will be in Conway, South Carolina this week, and game day will be there. I can't imagine not watching BYU. They're not going to make the playoff. They're, they're still outside the top 10, but they look so good, and now they have a top 25 opponent on the ledger, which leads me to think, like, why are we not – always more flexible with our college football schedules. Why don't we patch these things together every March ahead of the football season? And we can make sure we get the best matchups and we can make sure we avoid games that a few years ago we thought would be good, but no longer are. So I thought today on the college football daily would be a perfect time to bring in Matt Brown. Matt is the publisher of extra points, which is a newsletter covering off the field that I'm reading off of his Twitter bio off the field stuff that shapes college sports it's a really good newsletter. I'm subscribed to it four times a week. Uh, Matt is also a longtime uh, follower of BYU athletics. So I think this is perfect. He's going to talk to us about BYU and, and why the schedule was so bad this year, but originally it was good. And, and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about uh, why college athletics programs are not very flexible about scheduling games in advance and you know why you see teams booked out to 2034, but Matt's solution for fixing all of that. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to go straight into my talk with Matt Brown. The College Football Daily will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, bringing in Matt Brown right now. Matt, before we get going, I really appreciate you joining us today on the College Football Daily. I want to give you a chance to give us the elevator pitch for your Extra Points newsletter and everything you've been doing this year in the world of college athletics. 
Uh, it would be my pleasure. I run Extra Points, which is a four-day-a-week newsletter that digs deep into all of the off-the-field forces that shape college athletics. So what we see on the field on Saturdays is shaped by higher education policy. It's shaped by how college athletic finances work, about how name, image, and likeness and, and, and various political situations work. And that's the stuff that I, that I try to write about. So if you want to understand the business of college athletics and how all of this stuff all fits together and shapes who's good and who's not, I think you'll enjoy reading it. Matt, it's 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 nice to have you in the college football space. So many of us, you know, we keep a really close eye on recruiting and, and personnel and decommitments and transfers and QB battles. I'm not saying you don't care about that stuff either, but it is nice that you're sort of you know the watchful eye for the rest of the college football reporters who aren't so good at reading or, or, or you know getting info on that kind of stuff and understanding that. When did you kind of begin to know that you were also interested in? that angle of college athletics coverage? Sure. I mean, I, I grew up in an educator family. I, I actually was a teacher before I got became a sports writer. My, my mom was a professor and a lot of my other jobs had worked in, in some capacity with education, whether that's K-12 or higher ed. And I think a lot of those things really shape uh, recruiting outcomes. They shape where people live. They shape how certain you know, communities are able to be academically eligible. They, they shape you know what kind of communities are able to invest in youth football and prep football and all of that stuff matters a ton for recruiting. And, you know, candidly, I think there are so many people who do such a good job writing about recruiting or who, you know, who, or, and write about game coverage or, or cover a lot of these big programs. It's very competitive. And I think a lot of the stuff that I dig into is still really important, but it's, it's not as competitive and it's places where I'm really interested. And so it made sense for me to focus on that a, a little bit more. So you know you know the BYU program um, probably better than most. You've just kind of long time had, have have followed that. What was your reaction when you saw that the Cougars had scheduled this top twenty five game with Coastal Carolina like two or three days out from Saturday? Of course, after Liberty dropped out, I th- I think it's pretty awesome. And and I know BYU needed another marquee game on the on the ledger. It doesn't mean they're going to make the playoff or get close to the top four, but it's probably pretty huge for them. Yeah, who would have figured, you know, with everything crazy that happened this summer, that we would be talking about a game in December between BYU and Coastal Carolina as one of the biggest in, in the college football season, right? Like, it's it just goes to show what, what a, an unexpected season this has been in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm not surprised that BYU was able to pull this off. Um, they have a really close relationship with ESPN, um, who's, who's been a, a big partner for that program to help them. Uh, range games that might be a little bit more challenging. And, and I think you have to give that program a lot of credit because they lost basically their entire schedule when power conferences canceled their out of conference uh, schedules. And then the mountain West canceled football here for a little while. And so BYU really had to produce an entire schedule out of duct tape and balsa wood. And it's a little bit unfortunate as fans but maybe some of those games haven't been as competitive as, as we would have liked, given the caliber of, of team that they've put together. But, you know, for fans, I think this should be really exciting. I love some of the stuff that Coastal does on offense. I think this will be a really fun battle between two fun offenses. And I'll be interested to see how, uh, how Coastal is able to hold up against BYU's really good offensive line. I've read your coverage before on the balance that BYU has to strike in its scheduling. BYU front loads its schedule with a lot of marquee games, usually in a non-COVID year. It gets a lot of ESPN money from that. And the result of that is the teams are exhausted and worn down by mid-October. 
this year is of course seeing them had to, they had to rebuild their schedule on the fly. And the result was, you know, a really fresh team that is probably better than most BYU teams anyway, by a, a considerable margin play opponents who, you know, with the exception of Boise state, aren't very good. So I would imagine Matt, that BYU fans are saying, should we be doing this every year or what sort of like, what sort of balance do they need to strike going forward? Because I don't, I don't, I don't know how you can go back to the old way, uh, seeing that you can take an undefeated team into December with with this. But I, I do think you need to have a few uh, more difficult opponents too. It, it really is a challenging um, balance that they have to strike, and there are certainly people within BYU's program and fans uh, who question whether what they're doing, you know, right now makes a whole lot of sense. But they also have a, a other factors they have to consider, right? You know, BYU makes a pretty good amount of money through their television contract with ESPN. And part of the reason that BYU's media rights are valuable isn't just because they have a large fan base, uh, you know, much larger, I think, than most non-Power 5 programs, but because they're able to get Power 5 programs to play them at home, which means that if ESPN buys the rights to BYU schedule, that means that they're getting a discount on a potential Big 10 or an SEC or a Big 12 game. And if BYU decides to switch and play a G5 heavy conference schedule, um, not only does that, um, you know, I think hurt them in recruiting because they really pitch, listen, you're going to be on ESPN five, six times a season. You're going to play some of the best Pac-12 teams. You're going to be relevant. It also hurts them financially because then their rights simply are not worth as much. Um, it's a big challenge for them, I think, to recruit well enough to play some of the kind of schedules that they have, especially in the very beginning. I think one of the really big problems over the last couple of years has been with depth. Um, This is a program that is able to steal a couple of blue chip or or quasi blue chip kids a class, but uh, there's, you know, their backups are people that have SCS offers or or maybe no offers or or somebody that, that, you know, may be playing at, at Weber State. Um, and when you head into a Big Ten game or even later in the season against some really good Mountain West teams, that depth disparity has, has really shown up. And this year, um, outside of a few exceptions, that hasn't really been the case. And then they're playing against teams that they can out-athlete. And I think BYU can do that against most G5 opponents, but not very many Power 5 opponents. Matt, you mentioned that uh, other Power 5 schools are more likely to play BYU at home. Uh, would you clarify that? Do you mean at BYU or? Uh, yes. At, why at, is that? At BYU. Why is that? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a good game for everybody, right? Like, being able to go to Provo is, is, a, is a cool road trip experience. It's a big stadium. It's, it's one of the more unique places to play in college football. And what you're seeing right now, you know, outside of, like, the Ohio States and the Alabamas, a lot of Power 5 opponents are realizing it's very expensive to constantly buy guarantee games, right? The cost to bring in Miami, Ohio, or Troy for a one-off game, you know, that might set you back uh, $1.4, $1.5 million dollars. Uh, a year, and it's cheaper for you to play some home and homes. And if you're going to play in home and home uh, opponent, better to do that in a, an area that you, gives your fans an interesting road trip against an opponent that is going to give you some some respect. And then you know, I'm also hearing from from some coaches is that the Greater Salt Lake area is uh, produces some sneaky good co- uh, you know college football talent, and it's not nearly as heavily scouted as uh, maybe South Florida or DFW might be. So if you're going to play a road game out there, maybe that helps you with recruiting a little bit um, because there's not 60 schools out there you know, turning over every single uh, offensive lineman prospect. So you know, I think because of that, Evan, they, you know that if you host BYU, 
all of the LDS people <laughs> within like a three state area are going to go, you're definitely going to be able to sell a bunch of tickets. They're an attractive option if you're trying to fill out your non-conference schedule. That's all really interesting. I, I didn't know any of that, um, especially the, uh, the, the buy game trade-off. And, and then you're so right about the recruiting base. All right. Uh, let's transition to like more of a, a national scope here as far as you know the, the fact that, yes, this is a big game for BYU, big game for Coastal, but they did schedule it. They put this thing together on Wednesday. We, you look at most college teams, they have their schedules booked out, or non-conference at least, booked out to like 2032, 2033. I think that's kind of fun in a way. Like We know that you know, Texas will play Florida in 2031 in the swamp. Like That's that's something that we – it's just a known commodity. But there are, is also the argument for, you know, why, why can't we just be a little bit more flexible every off season? What do you think about that? that that's my big hope. I think the idea of scheduling games out a decade plus in advance um, hurts everybody. It hurts a lot of these athletic departments because even before COVID, most of these schools are facing declining attendance. And a big part of that isn't so much because those dang millennials and their Gen X you know, kids and their cell phones and not having the right amenities. The dirty little secret is that most of the schedule sucks <laughs> for, for a given year. People are less likely to pay premium pricing for three home games against MAC teams, if you're a generic Power 5 opponent. And if you schedule games out 10, 12 years in advance, you have no idea who's going to be good. You have no idea who's going to be coaching either of those programs and how that aligns with your program goals. I mean, I, I bet right now whoever's going to take that South Carolina job uh, wishes that maybe uh, people had done a little bit different uh, out-of-conference scheduling because now like, they have some good mid-majors coming up, which is not what you want for a rebuilding program. So I, we find a way to get around this in every other sport. Men's basketball schedules at most a year in advance. A lot of those games come together, you know, four, six, seven months in advance when you have a better idea what your program's going to be. College baseball's that same way. If there's one good thing I think we can take out of this pandemic, it's I hope that more athletic departments are willing to be a little bit more flexible. I, I understand why they do this. They do it because they fear that if they don't, they, there will be no inventory of football games. If everybody else is scheduling until 2030 and you don't, you have nobody to play, which is what happened to Syracuse and is what happened to a couple of these other schools. Um, but if I'm hoping that this might be able to encourage some folks to walk some of this stuff back. Yeah, I, I hate to keep bringing Texas into the mix, but that's kind of the team I know the best. I was looking at their schedule next year. They play Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, and they also have Arkansas. And I think, like, I, I think if you had any flexibility, you would probably say Louisiana is a little bit too tough of a G five for Texas, and you're going to laugh at me saying that. And then we could probably up, we could probably upgrade our marquee game from Arkansas to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, one one game might be too tough, and one might be a little bit um, not. Not not saying Arkansas is not tough, but it's it's not like this massive audience driver. Do you think though, Matt? Like we mentioned all these all these points as to why they should be more like college basketball. And you're right, like Gonzaga and Baylor, number one and two in the AP top twenty five. A few months ago, they were like, we're we're going to play this year, not in the, in the non conference schedule, and they're putting that together and they're going to play this week. Do you see any situation in which college football, which is governed by the same ads who govern basketball and baseball? changes things up or are we going to in a few years have games scheduled out till 2042? I, I think what you need really is somebody to help save them from themselves. So, you know, if I'm Kevin Warren or if I'm a, a, a conference commissioner next time for meetings, I might, you know, try to pass some kind of informal legislation saying like, 
guys, stop scheduling games out eight years in advance. Like, do we, I know you've got stuff on the books now. Don't add any more. Um, and if, if an AD realizes that they're not going to be penalized for being patient, um, and if a broadcast partner can help them with some of the, you know, wiggle out of some of these deals, which is something ESPN and Fox, I think, would be, would be thrilled to do, it's going to result in better outcomes for everybody. But it, it needs to be somebody beyond just individual ADs, because I don't think the track record of individual athletic directors acting on behalf of the sport as a whole is very strong. They have to look out for their own interests, and they're, they're not penalized for building crappy schedules. That's going to be somebody else's problem. Matt Brown, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. All right. We appreciate Matt joining the College Football Daily today. Again, if you want to subscribe to his Extra Points newsletter, it is just extrapoints.substack.com. For our producer, Michael Moormile, I'm Trey Scott. Thank you for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you all on Monday. CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not letting the gut here. Walking to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.